Good morning, Journey. Do you ever have DIY projects around the house that are left undone, or am I the only one? I think that's been a, a constant theme throughout our married life is there's always something that's never finished. You know, we start out well and then eventually it gets put off. Um, you know, home improvements, for me, you know, I get excited, I watch a few YouTube videos and then my overzealous self soon finds out that I'm in above my pay grade. And they go unfinished, forgotten. Um, you know, lately around our house, it's been bathroom tile. This project keeps dragging on and on and on, you know. But sometimes it's just a shift in priorities. Something else comes along in life that's more important or more uh, pressing, and you end up spending your efforts and extra time there. Well, if that's you, don't feel bad. Because there are some biblical examples where that's happening, where projects begin and go unfinished. And that's what we see today in the Old Testament book of Haggai. Now, we are continuing our, our series of messages this morning called Messengers, Minor Prophets with a Major Message. And today we come to this uh, small uh, minor prophet book called Haggai. And Haggai is really an anomaly in, in the Old Testament prophets, simply because when Haggai prophesies and speaks to the people of Israel, they, they get it. They listen, they hear, and they respond in obedience. And for a lot, of, a lot of the prophets, that was not the case. You could read about the other prophets and go through over and over again how they would prophesy and speak about their disobedience or their sin, and people would just brush them off, go their own way, and we could read throughout the Old Testament this downward spiral of their sin and ruin. So reading Haggai, this short book, is, is it's encouraging because the people get it, and it's, an, it's a great example of what happens when they listen to God's Word given through a prophet, they repent of their disobedience, and they experience God's blessing as a result. Now, his theme and message for us today, we could say, we could put it in three words, and it's simply that our choices matter. The choices that we make in life make a difference. They have consequences, both good or bad, and that, that's what we see fleshed out in the book of Haggai. Now, let, let me kind of set the stage for you and give you a little historical background of what, what's happening here. Now, the calamity that the other um, prophets have foretold and talked about has is, is finally come to fruition. Babylon as a nation has come in and conquered Jerusalem. They've deported a majority of the population back to their country. And they've left, left um, Judah and that Israel nation. They've left it just in ruin. They've destroyed the crops. They've, the land is left idle. Uh, they destroyed cities. And the people that were left there became known as the Samaritan people. And we can read about them more in the New Testament. Well, as time goes on, there's a shift in world powers. Babylon is eventually replaced by Persia, and then in 539 B.C., there's this king named Cyrus. And when Cyrus gets on the throne of Persia, he issues this edict that allows and encourages the people to go back to Jerusalem and begin building the temple. So, 
he sends this group of Israelites back around 537 B.C., and we can read about that part in the Old Testament book of Ezra. So they've returned. They begin the building, but the building doesn't last long. Because not long after they get there and they start putting the stones back on stones, they face oppositions from the people that remained there, the Samaritan people. Now, they simply didn't, they didn't want to see the Jewish people regain uh, power. So it was a power struggle, and, and they didn't want them to kind of rise to the surface again or rise to the place of prominence. So they begin to work the system against the Jewish people. And this is how it's described in the book of Ezra, chapter 4, beginning in verse 24. It says, Thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edu, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So that's kind of the background of what's going on. Now enter the book of Haggai. Now we, we know from the book of Haggai the exact date of when this was going down. It was August 29th, 520 B.C. And it's a short book. That's why it's called a minor prophet. There, there's only two chapters, and the whole story in Haggai takes place within a four-month window. And within these two chapters, we see some reluctant builders becoming some, some reluctant workers becoming some accomplished builders. So, so let's take a look at the message of Haggai today, and we're going to pick up right at the beginning, chapter 1. Verse 1, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord come th came through the prophet Haggai. Is it, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So it begins with this accusation of reluctant workers. The, the people are, are telling the prophet, they're saying, you know, the time is not right. It's not, not the best time now to get this building project going again. And they're saying, you know, they have every reason under the sun not to do it. And you know what? That's so much like us, isn't it? Because we're really good at finding reasons not to do things. Especially when it comes to our faith in Christ or his, our commitment to his church family. So we say, not now. Now's not a good time in life. I got too much going on. We say, well, when life gets easier, then I'll do this or that. We say, you know, when life gets a little busier or when the kids get older or when this sports season ends or that sports season ends, you know, when things slow down, then we'll get plugged back in. 
then we'll begin to take our faith seriously. I mean, we can go through life and just fill in the blank because we're all really good at making excuses. So right away at the front end of Haggai, his, his front end message is stop making excuses. You know, he says, now's the time. But that's, that's the same story we see throughout, um, you know, that trails God people throughout Scripture. You know, God has designed his people and his world to live and work in a specific way. And when the people of God disobey him by sinning, humanity is not able to flourish as God intended. So prophets come along, prophets like Haggai, and that's what God uses throughout the Old Testament to do two things. Call people back to himself through repentance and obedience and two, share with them hope, the hope of God's blessing. Now for this time in the book of Haggai, their excuse is this outside pressure from the Samaritan people. You know, the Samaritans, like I said, they didn't want the Jewish people to come back in and, and take over and rise to power. So they put pressure on them, and you know what? It worked. It worked. That They stopped building. And they stopped for 16 years. Now, if I stopped a DIY project at home and didn't touch it for 16 years, there would be serious issues in our house, you know. There would be relationship issues. Dory and I would be having some serious conversations. And you know what? That's what's happening here. The 16 years go by, and Haggai calls them out on their relationship issues. And the thing is that during those 16 years, the people of, of Israel, they were not idle. They spent their, that time building up their homes. They spent that time building up the city so the economy prospered, that their businesses proffer, prospered. They built really nice homes. And in the midst of all that stuff, they forgot their worship of God. And that's what Haggai calls them out on. It's really a problem of misplaced priorities. Because as they went about their life, as they went about all their busy stuff, their commitment to the temple, which was symbolic of their worship and commitment to God, pushed by the wayside. And that's the underlying problem that this prophet points out. See, the choice the people made was self over God. Their own comfort over worship of God. So what Haggai desired was a, a change of heart because he knew if, if their hearts, hearts were transformed, then their behavior would follow. So instead of just encouraging them to, to get back to the construction process, he begins to talk about what's going on in their heart. He's saying, let's prioritize God over all the other concerns. And he points out, you know, that that you live in these paneled houses, the Scripture says, which is another way to saying that you're living really comfortably. You have built really nice, comfortable homes and filled it with really nice stuff, and you've put off obeying God as a result. You've put your priorities in the wrong place. They were living their lives at the expense of obedience. So Haggai knew right away that this was a heart issue. So he says, stop making excuses. 
Stop saying, now's not the best time for me to do, do that. And then he says, I want you to start something. Start considering your ways and think about how you live. Let's pick back up in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Haggai uses that phrase, give careful thought to your ways, about four different times in this book. He's basically saying, think about what you're doing. Think about how you're living your life. Think about your priorities, who and what you are worshiping. Former author and philosopher and professor David Foster Wallace once wrote about worship this way, and, and he's not a Christian, but this is how he puts it. He says, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason to choose, and these are his words, to choose some sort of God to worship is pretty much that anything else will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if, if they are where you tap into real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel like you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you, uh, you will die a million deaths before your loved ones ever plant you in the ground. It says if you worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will never, uh, you'll need ever more power over others to numb your own fear. And he goes on to say, if you worship intellect or being seen as the smart one, you will end up just feeling stupid, a fraud, and always on the verge of being found out. The sneaky thing about these forms of worship, he writes, is that they are unconscious. They are the human default settings. You know, here's a secular professor and philosopher who gets it. And that leads us to the question today, do you ever feel like you don't have enough? You know, do you ever feel like this phrase from Haggai, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it? Does that sound like your life? You keep cashing your check, you keep getting a deposit, and then you're like, man, it's just, it's gone. Where'd it go? Man, Haggai is addressing our lives just like he's addressing their life today. You know, and we go through life thinking, oh man, just, just a little more is all I need. You know, if I just get this next raise, a little more money, a little more this, a little more that. So here comes this Old Testament prophet with a word for us today, saying, think about how you're living. Think about the consequences to the choices that you are making. You know, journey, he's saying to us, give careful thought to how we live. You know, for the Israelites, they had abandoned worship for a lesser form of worship, which simply was their own priorities over and above God. And sometimes we can fall into that same trap where our comfort comes before our worship. And we can do the same misplaced priorities in life. 
You know, journey, how we go through life and the choices that we make, it, they matter to God. Now, I'm not saying, you know, take a vow of poverty and give up all comfort, but I am saying just think about the choices that you make and let the Bible serve as your guide and filter for, for these life choices and life decisions that we all make. One of the things that I like to do, just a kind of a spiritual discipline or a practice, is at the end of each week, I'll kind of take some time to look back and reflect and review and journal about my, my week. And I ask myself the questions, things like, you know, what worked and what didn't work, but also, like, how did I see God showing up in my life this week? You know, and then also, where did I get in front of God? You know, and what do I need to do differently in, in this coming week? And I think about my choices, and if need be, I kind of reset and redirect and get a new focus for the coming week. So Haggai's message to his people and to us today is to stop making excuses, to start to think about how we live, and then he goes on to say simply begin to get to work and get to it. Picking back up in verse 12, he says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. And that's why Haggai is such an amazing book, because Haggai speaks to the people, and they're like, you know, you're right. We have, we have had misplaced priorities. And they hear, they obey, and they get to work. But you know what? More than a construction process, Haggai is calling them to repentance, and by that I mean turning their heart away from their own priorities and towards God. He's saying if you turn your hearts, then your behavior is going to follow. Heart change leads to behavior change. And I love it how it says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Kind of began on the inside. The Lord was working in his heart long before in his hands were working. And after that heart change, after the repentance, the people got to work because their hearts were now in the right place. So they moved from these reluctant workers with a lot of excuses, with, you know, going through their life, letting other people uh, put pressure on them. They moved from that to accomplish builders with expectations that God has put before them. So in chapter 2, we pick back up with this very specific date. It says, in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. 
Again, he says, speak to Zerubbabel and to Joshua, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? And how does it look now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? You know, this is about one month later. And it gives a very specific date, the 21st day of the seventh month. And that's, that's part of, you know, sometimes when we read Scripture, we just quickly gloss over that. It's like, yeah, I don't know what that means or what that's, why that's there. But this is an important date for the people of Israel. Because that would have literally fallen on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So it's not random that, that this date is in the book of Haggai. And it was during the Feast of Tabernacles that King Solomon dedicated the original temple. So this is a beautiful move by Haggai. You know, he's given this visual illustration because everybody would have known. It's like, yeah, this is Feast of Tabernacle. It was about the, it was about the um, former glory of the temple that Solomon built. And he's using this as a visual illustration, a comparison to motivate the people. He's saying, do you remember history and what the temple was like? And what does it look like now? The former glory to a pile of rubble. And you know what? That motivates the people, and they get, get working. And then it gives us a reminder of just God's presence and how that encourages them on. Continuing on, verse 4. He says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Why? For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And the, my spirit remains among you, therefore do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says, In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. You know, because of God's presence, He's saying, You know what? I'm with you, so hang in there. Be strong. He's calling the people to hope. So he says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, as leaders of the people. And he's given this re renewal of hope in their midst. And they could be strong because God is with them. God had not forgotten them. God had not abandoned them. Yes, they had made poor choices. Yes, those poor choices had consequences. But there is hope. And that's an essential message that we read all throughout Scripture. God is doing what He has always done and will always do. He's encouraging people that even though they are sinful, His grace is greater than sin. He's encouraging people to turn their hearts back to Him and then watch to see what He does. And He says to the people here in that day and age, you know, because I am with you, do not fear, and ultimately, my glory is going to come. God will br bring His glory. You can't stop His plan. God's purposes cannot be halted. 
You know, the delayed obedience of the people of Israelite, Israel is finally set aside. Their hearts have, have turned back to God, and those, their reluctancy is replaced by man, motivation to accomplish this task. That whole idea of projects being left undone made me think about uh, when I, uh, growing up in Minnesota. And growing up in Minnesota, our state had two seasons, not, not four, just two. And it was winter, and want to guess what the other one was? Road construction, right? And road construction was one of those things that just never ended in Minnesota. It was, it was ongoing, and that season was always longer than winter. And then we, we moved to Council Bluffs, Iowa, and lived there for quite some time. And they redid the whole interstate system around Council Bluffs and Omaha. And that project seemed to go on forever. And at one point, they made this huge pile of dirt. And it just sat there for two years. I'm like, what are they going to do with this pile of dirt? And then later, I re found out that they had a reason for piling up the dirt. You know, it became an on-ramp. But just road constructors is the thing I think about with endless projects that never seem to end. So when I was researching this message this week, I needed some ideas to, to spark the writing process. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to Google the phrase, things left undone. Type that in there, and one of the top things that came up on the, the search result was a website called A Blog for Ideas Left Undone. So I thought, well, that's intriguing. That interests me. So I clicked on the website, a blog for ideas left undone, and it opened up to a blank page. <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh out loud. I thought, man, that is clever. Whoever put this website together, that was very funny. You know, one of the things that we learned from Haggai is that truly transformed hearts do not occur in isolation. Transformational work, yeah, it begins here. But it doesn't stay there. It doesn't remain hidden. It's not just at the interior, interior level because transformed hearts lead to transformed hands, a transformed life, and those hands go on to do God's work. And that, I think, is the point that Haggai is making. Today, our transformed hearts can still bring about transformational work right here in Wayne, America. You know, kingdom work matters for eternity. As the worship team comes back this morning, I think there's two, old, two lessons that we can pull away from this Old Testament prophet Haggai for our lives today. And the first I've already mentioned is that the choices you make matter. They matter here and now, and they matter for eternity. But the second is this, is that God works through His obedient people. One of the ways that we see throughout all of Scripture is that God uses His people to accomplish His task. And you know what? That means that God can work through you. When God begins to change your life from the inside out and, and transformed hands, in other words, a different priority, living life with a different focus, God can use you in that way to make a lasting impact in the lives of those around you. 
And you might not know what kind of impact that is. That you might not see it until years down the road, or you might not see it at all, but you don't know the kind of impact you have. But you know what? It starts here. It starts in our heart by saying yes to following Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I thank you that you uh, look at us, pour your grace out on us, and say, Lord, you want to use us. So, Father, help us to put our priorities in the right place with with you at the top. Lord, we ask that you transform uh, us from the inside out. Call us back to yourself if necessary. And then, Lord, may we step into the work that you've called us to do. And as a result, Lord, may lives be changed for eternity. So, Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus, your Son.